0: Marvin Lewis said it's unfortunate that Chad has put himself in that situation because a lot of people who really had affection for him now see him in a A, different light. Affection? That's what he said, yes. Affection? That's the problem right there. That's the problem. I'm always worried about making people want to like me, the player. The player is not going to change, but Chad has to do what's right for Chad. Whether they like the light or not, it doesn't matter. That's the problem. I have to do what's right for me. Period. That's what I've always been... That's why he made the comment. The people that had affection. He thinks I'm worried about people liking me. Those days are over. All right. I'm not worried about them anymore because I have to do what's right for me. Also- getting, myself, getting myself out of a losing situation, if that's what I have to do, then I have to do it. So how do you get yourself out of a losing situation? How? Yeah, I don't know. Continue to be the same five-time pro bowler I've been the past five years. Continue to do the same thing. Continue to let my light shine whether we losing or not. Continue to give 100% no matter what the record is. The same stuff. The same reason they have affection for me you're still going to get that same player. Oh, now I have a voice and I'm speaking out because things aren't right. They're losing affection there's nothing I can do about that. But you still get the same player regardless.
1: All right. Chad Johnson, how about that? The uh if you follow the Bengals at all, Chad Johnson's been uh, had a lot to say about the Bengals lately. And uh it's been uh interesting. Um, I found this latest comment that you guys just showed or heard uh really particularly interesting because um he said the, he must have said the word I or me or Chad, because he likes to refer to himself in the third person, which is kind of weird, you know, Chad's got to do what Chad's got to do, all right, and uh, he, uh, he is very, very interested in himself, and, uh, you know, I was with a friend the other day, and he was on the TV, we were at a little, you know, um, restaurant, and he was on and saying all that stuff, and my friend was like, You know, Rick, uh, we just, our culture just makes people like that. You know, we just, we are a culture that makes people into, it's about me. You know, I mean, he might as well have just, you know, said, hey, look, I don't care about anybody else. I'm looking out for me. I'm looking out for number one. That's me. And I don't care about anything else. And that's, that's a very, very typical thing in people today. And, uh, and I think sometimes, um, because it's so typical, because it so, happens so much, that we, as we are beginning to grow in Christ, we don't really think much of it. We act the same way, often. I mean, it starts when you're young. I, had, I have children, and if you when you have children, you'll notice this right away, that they're very uh, self-centered. Uh, I don't know, it's very, uh, 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 you know, Samantha is my oldest, she's 11, and... Uh, I come upstairs, and she, I see her walk into the bedroom. Uh, my wife is sleeping. It's pretty early in the morning. And uh, she walks in, and she's standing over my wife, and she's going, she's saying something to her. And I walk in, I'm like, Samantha, wh- what are you doing? I want mom to blow dry my hair. She's asleep. She's dead. She's, it's like early. She's like, but I want mom to do it. I said, Sam, blow, you, know, you just push the button, turn it on, you know, like just hold it here, that's all you do, it's not complex, no, I want mom. Sam, it, look at your mom, she's asleep, you know, and you're not, blow dry your own hair, and it was amazing to me, I was like, how does, how does this not compute in your head, you know, like, are you so self-focused that you don't even notice, and uh So we're going to look at this self thing that's going on in a lot of us. I want you guys to get out some Bibles. Uh, Hopefully you brought some. If you don't, I got some extras. So I'm going to... You can get someone who you can share some with. Could I get... uh, Chris, could you help pass these out to folks who need them, Taylor or Kayla, you too? Thanks. And uh, turn to Romans 7. Romans 7. We're going to look at verses 15 through uh, 24. You see, Chad Johnson and my daughter are just examples of something that I think is happening within all of us. There's this battle, if you will, that's going on with the self, and Paul, who's probably one of the greatest Christians to ever live, he, in Romans 7, he talks about this very thing going on within him. So I'm going to read, starting in 15, if you guys can follow along. It says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You guys ever feel that way? You know, like you you don't understand why you do what you do. You're like, I I don't want to do that but I did that. Why did I do that? That's what Paul's saying. He says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he's talking about this sin, this self that dwells in him. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. You guys have things in your life that you're trying to stop doing that you just can't? Or you haven't? You've tried and failed? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, inner being. but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body? And let me pray. Um, Ask God to bless as we look at his word. Jesus, uh, we are so thankful for your spirit here with us. Pray, Lord, that you would uh, show us through your word whatever it might be that you would have for each of us. Father, there is only power in the mix of your truth and your Spirit working. And we pray, Lord, for your Spirit to move mightily as the truth is there. And pray, Lord, that um, you would teach us, that you would touch our hearts. Thank you, Father, for your truth. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um see there 's this, as Paul is saying here there 's this battle going on inside you, battle to self right, and the battle to do what 's right. I mean, can you guys identify with that? can you think and the self is always there i mean if you 're really honest, i mean I hope no one if you 're thinking oh i 'm not that selfish you know my my sister she 's selfish she 's really selfish, but i 'm not selfish you know like If that's kind of you, I just think I would encourage you to really think about that for a second. You probably think about yourself far more than you realize you think about yourself. You know, I mean, every single one of you, if you look at a photograph and you know you're possibly in it or you're in it, who's the first person you look at? You. I mean, really, honestly, do you ever look at a photograph and look at all the other people? I mean, I remember one time my wife, uh, when she was young, looking at some of her high school pictures and... They were cut with people cut out of them. And I, I what's why are there people? So I didn't like those pictures of me. I was like, okay, that's weird. But yeah, I understand you just didn't like them. So you cut yourself out and threw them away. You know, but that's, isn't that how we are a little bit? A little focused on ourselves. I see it all the time. I, I talk to people and I, there was a, this happened just the other day. A girl comes up to me and, Rick, you're not going to believe what you know, I was talking to so-and-so, and, uh, and she said this stuff about me, and uh, or she, she, I could just tell by the way she was talking to me that she was really angry at me. I know she hates me, and, uh, and this is just horrible, and, and I'm like, really? Do you really think that? She, I said, did she say that? No, but I could tell. I could just tell by the way we were talking, okay, and I'm not lying. The other girl comes up to me and says, Rick, I know that girl, she, she hates me. I could tell by the way we were talking, like she just doesn't like me. And I'm like, she's so focused on herself that she thinks she doesn't like her and she's so focused on herself that she thinks she doesn't like her. Nobody is at all living in reality. They both just think the other person doesn't like them. Does that make sense? Like we're so focused on ourselves. We interact with somebody and we think, oh, what do they think of me? What are they thinking of me? What? And then you walk away from the situation, what did they think of me? The self is always there, and uh, I want to encourage you guys in fighting this battle with the enemy that lies within you, with this self that wants to take control, with this self that wants to, to win. Uh, I want to show you a video clip um, that, I, as soon as I saw it, I thought, "Oh, this is exactly what um, kind of what I'm talking about." So it's just a trailer from a movie, Spider-Man 3. When I saw that clip, it reminded me so much of uh, what I'm talking about. And, and here's the thing that is a little bit worse that I hope, uh, if you didn't realize this, and this is kind of what Paul is talking about, you have this self that's going on, this enemy that lies within this battle. And the worst part of it is, is that you you really are helpless. Um, there's uh, The Bible goes on and talks about, how you are a slave to sin without Christ, that you can't do anything. Your friends who don't know Jesus, they are slaves to that self that we're talking about. Whatever that self desires, they're a slave to it. They have to do what it says. Is that, am I making sense of that? Because um, everybody's a slave to something. You know, you're either uh, a slave to this desire or that desire, whatever it is that you want, you're a slave to that, Okay. And you, you will follow that. And that's the way it is for everybody. The greatest thing, though, is if we're going to read on here about what Jesus does for us in this battle against ourself. Starting in verse 25, read with me. It says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Free. This is it. If you, you know, we sing the song, My Chains Have Fallen Off. Could you answer that question? What, what chains? What chains bound you? What have you been set free from? It's this. You've been set free. You no longer have to say yes to all the ungodliness, to all the selfishness, to all the things that are out there that the world tells you you have to do. You don't have to say yes to those things anymore because of Jesus. You can now say no to those things. You can be like Steffi and you can make those decisions to say no to the things that people are telling you you're supposed to do. You can... Make decisions to not live for yourself and live for others. uh, In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No temptation has yet seized you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will provide a way out when you're faced with temptation. God promises that there's nothing now that can come into your life. This is such a wonderful thing about your relationship with Christ. So when you sing about your chains falling off, or you sing that God has set you free, now you know what he's set you free from. You're not a slave anymore to sin. You're not a slave to that self anymore. Now I know it's still there, isn't it? The battle's still there. But isn't it awesome to know that you don't have to say yes. You don't have to do that stuff. You don't have to do it anymore. Uh, I want to tell you guys a story. It's a true story about uh, Leonardo da Vinci, um, and he's a famous painter. He painted the the Last Supper. You guys, we have a picture of it right there. Um, Very famous painting. Uh, Da Vinci um, painted this. It took him 10 years to paint this painting. Uh, I, I'm not really into art, so I don't know why that would take him 10 years, but, uh, but it did take him 10 years. He's actually, um, the government w- actually hired him. That was his job, was to paint. And they, his job was, okay, hey, listen, Da Vinci, we want you to paint The Last Supper, picture Last Supper. And so the way that he would do that is he would get people to sit, you know, and he would mo- they would model a face for him, you know, like this. And he would paint the face while he would look at them. So he would get actual people to be those faces for him. And uh, so he sets out, and it takes him. Um, the first face that he decides he's going to do is Jesus. And he's like, i start with the hardest one. I try to find the, the, the face of Jesus. And uh, so he goes, and he's, it takes him... This is, I guess, why it took so long. It took him three years to find somebody to be the face of Jesus. So he'd paint around the edges and stuff, but he didn't have any of the faces painted in. He's still looking for the face of Jesus. And he goes, and he's in this church one day. He looks up in this choir, and there's this guy sitting in the choir, and he's like, Jesus, right there. You know, and of course, that guy's like, uh, what? You know, okay. So, uh, so he gets the guy, he comes, he sits, and he paints the face of Jesus. Okay. Well, then he takes another four years Okay? to find all the faces of the other disciples. So he goes out and he looks for Peter. And he looks for a guy. Yeah, I think Peter would look like that guy right there. And he gets the guy and the guy comes in and he paints the guy's face as he's painting Peter. Uh, and he does that for four years, except for one disciple. He just could not figure out. He couldn't find a face for it. Which, which disciple do you think? Judas. Judas. How do you find the face of the man who betrayed God? Right? Not easy. Not easy at all. So he was looking, he was looking. And for another three years, so this is where the ten years come in. Another three years, he's looking for the face of Judas. That's it. Just trying to find somebody, a face that he thinks would be the face of Judas. And uh, he uh, eventually asked the government for permission. He's like, I, I just can't find, can you let the, me into the prisons? Uh, you know, I gotta go, you know, it's like, that's a good place to find, like, a Judas-looking face, right? The prison, all right? So he's like, so I'll go in the prison, and I'll find, you know, the face of Judas there. So he goes into the prisons, and sure enough, after, you know, a couple of weeks of being around some prisoners and looking for some faces, he saw somebody. He's like, that's, that's the face. That is the face. So he gets the guy, and he asks, works it out with the prisoner, the guards and all that, and the guy comes, and he's modeling for Da Vinci, the face of Judas. And while he's painting, the guy is sitting there, and da Vinci starts noticing that he's pretty upset. Like he looks kind of, you know, like it's hard for him, that what's going on. And, and so da Vinci's like, hey, you know, you okay? Like, you know, he's thinking maybe it's bothering him that I'm, he's, you know, Judas, you know, hey dude, you know, don't worry, you didn't betray God, I know for real, you know. You know, so he's like, hey, you know, are you okay? And the guy's like, you know, doesn't just says, yeah, I'm fine. Well, the next day comes back, and again they're painting, and the guy is just clearly distraught. And Da Vinci's like, Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Comes back the next day, and it's even more so. And the guy is like, man, Da Vinci's like, what? What's wrong? What? What's going on? And Judas, all of a sudden, he breaks down. He's like, starts crying. He says, Master, don't you recognize me? And Da Vinci's like, I, no, I, I don't, I, have we met before? I don't, I don't recognize you. He says, Master, seven years ago, you painted my face as the face of Jesus. It's a true story. And I tell you that story so that you guys can understand what I'm talking about, that within each of us is Jesus and Judas, within each of you. Jesus and Judas. You have this self within you that must that you must learn to deny or to crucify. That's what the Bible encourages us to do. And I want to encourage you guys to take that self, the old self, from when before you were with Christ, the one that keeps wanting to control your life, that keeps wanting to rear up and, and control you and get you to do things. I, I'm encouraging you to Get rid of it. To deny it. The Bible says and turn to Galatians two twenty. The Bible says to crucify it. To kill it. Galatians two twenty. If you have if you are memorizing scripture, which I hope that you are, this is a great verse for you to memorize. This is one of the first verses that I ever memorized in high school. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story that's kind of weird about this verse. So don't, and I hope you all don't run out of here screaming or, you know, commit me to the insane asylum, because it, it's kind of weird, but it's a true story. Okay? Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Okay? Here's the thing. God is saying, Paul is saying here, look, my old self, this self thing, this enemy within, this flesh this sin thing in me that wants to to control and do what i don't want to do anymore i have crucified it and i no longer live and i'd heard some people talking many years ago about this and it was really striking me this idea of like oh my gosh i really need to in my life i want to crucify that self i don't want to live for myself anymore i want to live for christ I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to go to the parties and struggle. I don't want to, you know, struggle with my thoughts. I don't want to struggle with all these things anymore. I, I, and I know that it's going to continue to try, but I want to crucify it. I don't want it to be gone. I want to win the battle. I want to take steps to win that battle. And so I, I was really working this through in my life. And... Uh, if, if you've heard me talk before, or you've heard me share things, every now and then, okay, I might, like, uh, I have dreams, okay? Maybe, like, once a year, I'll have a dream. I mean, we all dream. Like, everybody dream? I have dreams. It's really weird. No, I just, we all do that. Um, but what I'm saying is this. I will have a dream that's different from my normal dreams. And the dream will, uh, in my opinion... I believe it to be from God, and it's happened, like I said, a couple times in my life, several times in my life over the past, you know, 15 years. I'll have a dream, and I'll wake up, and it's clearly different from my other dreams. Incredibly vivid, clearly from God because of the dream and like it's what it's saying to me. And around this time, this happened to me. I had a dream. And in my dream, I was standing there, and there was nothing at all. It was just kind of white, like, no background or whatever. And I was standing there, and all of a sudden, I started to feel like, I want to say the presence of evil, but it really wasn't. It was more like the presence of something that was bad, um, and I wasn't afraid of it. But it was definitely like, okay, like, this just kind of weird, something bad is around me feeling. Okay, you guys maybe felt like that before, and so... I, all of a sudden, this comes over me. It's really strong and kind of from the side here walks in. Now this, is, this is years and years ago, and I've never forgotten. A guy walks in, okay, and it's an old man. I can tell at first. And, uh, and as the old man gets closer, I'm obviously aware that what I'm sensing is him. He kind of gets closer and looks up. And as soon as I see him, I realize that he is not weak and frail. Like an old man, so he's like he looks old, but but immediately I'm struck by his like strength and his like power, and I wasn't afraid, but I immediately knew that although he's old, he wasn't um, powerless. And so there's this old man, and he's there, and uh, and I hear a voice say, "Crucify the old man," and in the scriptures. Okay when at one point it talks about it refers to the self the, the self as the old man as the old man okay and it says crucify the old man and in my mind I didn't actually uh touch him or anything but you know how in a dream you can like do something that you you know it's just kind of weird like but I I what I did is I I basically knew and I said okay and so I put him on a cross and watched him die just the, the just put him on a cross and watched him die. And then he was there again. And I had to do it three times. So three times I did that. And the third time he died and I woke up. Now in my life, I woke up and I was very encouraged. I thought, this is it. I'm crucifying the old self. I'm not going to give in to that anymore. I'm not going to live for the self and all those things. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm not looking back. And there was a shift in my life. And, and I'm encouraging you to do the same. Now that old self is going to continue to want to come after you. It's going to continue to try to rise from the grave, if you will. You'll kill it, and it's going to continue to kind of be there. Now I'm going to tell you the really weird part, okay? But this is what I've, have, has happened to me. So since then, two times, I've seen him the old man. And both times, I had the feeling that I had in my dream before he showed up. And then he was there, and I made eye contact with him, and then he was gone. And it wasn't a mistake. I mean, I'll never forget the face. I, I saw him. Now, I believe that God is just reminding me that the old self still wants to come out. It still wants to have me. It still tries to rule my life. It still tries. The battle is still there. So it won't just stop and you'll crucify the self and think, and then, okay, I never live for myself anymore. It's still going to be there and want to control you. But I'm encouraging you guys because all of you, we have this self within us and this battle going on to put off the old self, to crucify it, to no longer live for the flesh and choose to live for Jesus and Him alone for the rest of your life.